met me, my name is Christian. Uh, I am the uh, previous or old uh, youth pastor, uh, both in function and age. Uh, that is me. And so for those of you who don't know me, I'm Christian. For those of you who do, you thought you'd never have to listen to me again. And you were wrong. Yeah, it's good to be here this morning and to share. Uh, and so a quick update, I guess, on from what I'm doing right now. Uh, for those of you who don't know, I'm working at a nonprofit in Abbotsford called M2W2, uh, where I provide supports for men who are on parole and help them succeed and readjust into society. We have help them in practical areas uh, to help them be possible to reach their goals. So practical things that we help them with, uh, anywhere from helping them get food or helping them build a resume or helping them even get their IDs in order so they can apply for jobs in the first place. Uh, those are the things that we do. Uh, today we're going to look at Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 to 10, and it'll be on the screen there, and I will read it for you. And it says this, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. But God, rich in mercy because of the great love which he had which, with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ, Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of work so that no one may boast, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. This is actually one of my favorite, maybe my favorite portions of scripture in uh, the whole Bible. And so when Pastor Mark said, hey Christian, do you want to speak? This is the passage. I said, well, I guess I have to. This is one of my all-time favorites. And so I want to look at three things we can take away. Well, two things, and then a question I want us to ask ourselves as we leave. And the first thing we can take away is this. We all start in the same place. In terms of our faith journey, we all start in the same place. There's no advantage to be had. And what I mean by that is we all start, like this passage says, broken and actually deserving of wrath. That's where we all start. We all start in a place where we are broken and we actually deserve wrath. Now, I'm the youngest, so I have an older brother, but I'm the youngest in our family. And being the youngest, uh, for anyone else who is the youngest in their family, you know that when you're the youngest, things have to be even, have to be fair, right? If, if, if your older sibling gets it, then I want it. Has to be that way, has to be fair. And I took that uh, and that became kind of part of who I am. And so I, I, things have to be fair. I want things to be even. And so I remember when I was uh, at a youth camp and I was running the dinner line, man, I ran that line so smooth. There was no cuts. People would try to walk up and they try to get in front and I'd be like, hey, 
get to the back of the line. You start where everyone else starts, the back of the line. Right? And there'd be sometimes like some younger kids, maybe like a 12-year-old, 13-year-old, and there'd be like a 17 or 18-year-old who'd come in the front, and then the 12-year-old's not going to say anything, right? But they'll just walk right in, and like, I'm like, hey, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, I'm just my friends. No, back of the line. You start where everyone else starts. You start at the back of the line. You have to start in the same place everyone else started. And in our faith with Jesus, that's, that's the same for us. We all start in the same place, which is, hey, we are broken and we need a savior. No matter who you are, no matter who your parents are, no matter how long or how many generations have been to church, we all actually start in the same place, meaning that we are dead in our trespasses, as the passage said. We are dead in our sin and we need to accept Jesus. And I think sometimes we need to remind ourselves of that fact that we all need Jesus equally. Regardless of our history, regardless of our background, we all need Jesus equally. Now, it's easy for me, um, in the work that I'm doing now, I'm working with people who need a lot of help, who need a lot of help. And so it can be easy for me to let like pride sneak in and think, man, I'm like, I'm a good person. Look at all this good stuff that I'm doing. I'm helping all these people who no one else wants to help. Man, I am just the best, right? And it can be easy for pride to sneak, sneak in. Now, maybe you can relate. Maybe you can relate, and you've, and you've had times where you're helping people, and you think, like, man, I am just good. Or maybe you're just, you know, more humble than me. Who knows? Um, but we can let pride sneak in. But I have to remind myself that even with the people that I work with, I am just as broken and lost without Jesus as they are. We all are. We are all as broken and lost without Jesus as they are. I need Jesus as equally as someone who we might think would be the worst person of society. We all need Jesus equally. Now in life, starting point isn't always equal. Like in life, sometimes we're born and people have different advantages based on the family or their circumstances that they're born into, and that is a real thing. I get to hear real life stories, and it can be easy to hear about people who make bad choices or who do bad things and think, well, hey, they made the choice, right? Like, they made that choice, they have to, you know, uh, serve their, their sentence, or they have to deal with the consequences of their actions, and it can be easy to get into that place. It can be easy to get to that place where we think, hey, like th that was their choice, right? But when I hear in what I do now stories of people's lives, I would say that about 95% of them have been through some intense trauma or this intense hurt or brokenness in their lives. And so it totally makes sense that they are where they are now. Their starting point in life was not where mine was. I had different advantages that they didn't have. But in our faith, with Jesus, we all start out in the same point. We all start out at the same starting line. And I don't say that so that we can be prideful and think, hey, we all started in the same place and look at me now. I'm so far ahead of everyone else. I don't say this so we can think, hey, we all started in the same place, but look at me now. I've done all these good things. I've served the Lord for this many years and I've helped this many people and I've given this much time and this much money and all these things. I don't say that so that we can be prideful. I say that so that it can be a reminder that we are all, as I said before, equally broken, equally deserving of wrath, equally full of sin, 
and equally in need of a savior. Every one of us. We can't be prideful because we all actually need Jesus. One of my favorite quotes ever is it says that the ground is even at the foot of the cross. Right before Jesus, we're all even. We all need him. We can't come and say, hey, God, like, I know that, like, I need you, but I don't need you as much as this person. Like, you know what? Don't, don't worry about me. I'll, I'll kind of take care of myself. These people really need your help. We can't be prideful. So we all start in the same place. The second thing I want to remind us of from this passage is that God does the work. God does the work. As I said before, we all start in the same place. We all are actually, as the passage says, deserving of wrath. Doesn't matter how long you've been a Christian, doesn't matter how much good you've done, people you've helped, money you've donated. This passage says that we all deserve wrath, but God, rich in mercy, by his grace we have been saved. This is so important for us to remember, and it is in Scripture on purpose. As with every part of Scripture, God put it there for a reason. Because God knows that it's actually in our nature to take credit for things. God knows it's in our nature to take credit and maybe even boast. Maybe even brag a little bit. Maybe not up front or loudly, like, look at me, I'm the best. But we want to be recognized for what we do. That's, that's in our nature. God knows we like to make things about ourselves. That's what the Pharisees did. If you're not familiar, the Pharisees were like the religious leaders of the day in Jesus' time. And, and when they would fast and they would like take, you know, deny themselves, they would make a big spectacle of it. So they would stop shaving and they'd wear like their dirty clothes and they'd, say, they'd wail and say, Oh, I haven't eaten in days. I'm sacrificing so much because I love God. And they'd make it all about themselves. Now, obviously, I've never seen that today. I've never seen someone walk into church, you know, disheveled and say, I haven't eaten in all week. I'm so hungry because I love the Lord. I've never heard that. But maybe I've heard things like, oh, you know, I've just been volunteering so much. Oh, I've done this. I've given that. Oh, in my time, I've done this and this and this. We like to make things about ourselves. Have you ever done something nice for someone? And I say this because I've done this, so don't, don't feel too bad. Have you ever done something nice for someone, and when you feel that they don't appreciate it in the way that you want them to, you get upset? You ever done something nice for someone, and you think, I thought they'd appreciate that more? And then you're kind of maybe a little bit like upset about that. Maybe you even think, like, why did I even do this in the first place? I'm not doing that for them again. They don't even appreciate it. I've had those thoughts. Man, I did all this for these people, for this person, for this, and they don't even appreciate it. I'm not doing that again. And then I got to remind myself, well, why did I do it? Did I help them because they needed it? Or because I wanted it to be a little bit about me? Maybe I wanted a little bit of the attention on me, thinking, wow, Christian is so good. What a great guy. God knows we like to make things about ourselves. So God made it clear that this isn't based on anything that we can do. It is by grace that we are saved. That there's nothing that we can actually do to earn it, and this is on purpose. God made sure that we couldn't earn it, because if we could earn it, we could act like God actually owes us. 
If we could possibly earn our way into heaven, we could try to make demands on God because we want what we're owed. God, I've, I've, I've served you for years. You owe me this. God, I've given all this time, this effort, this energy. I've given you my whole life. You owe me this. Like the passage says, we could boast. Hey, I've earned my way. But God did this on purpose. He made it so that there is no possible way that we could earn our spot. Doesn't matter how much good we do, we can't come close to repaying the debt that was paid for us. And that is on purpose. God wants us to know that we all equally need him. There is no one that's ahead of the line saying, hey, I, I've earned this spot. Like maybe one day you'll get there. Because we do that. Right? Like if we've worked, if you've worked in a job and there's someone who's maybe new and they're hoping to get something and you think, you just wait your turn. I did, I worked here for 10 years before I got that. That's our nature, right? Like, oh, hey, go do this, this job. Oh, that's the worst job. Well, you're the newbie. You got to do it. That's our nature. We want to earn our spot. You got to earn your keep. You got to pay your dues. But in our faith, we can't. There's no due that we can pay that would make us even with God. We can't boast. It doesn't matter how much good we do, we can't come close to repaying the debt that was paid for us. And that was on purpose. Because hopefully, when we realize that we can't actually earn it, we remember that everything we have, we actually owe to God. That everything we have, we actually owe to God. And that as the passage said, that we're deserving of wrath, but God, rich in mercy and grace, gives us life. As I said, I work with um, people now who are, who are on parole, who have been uh, in prison, for some of them for a number of years. One of the first guys that I worked with, uh, he was uh, in his like mid-60s, um, and he had a, actually a lot of health issues, a lot of health issues. And out of his about 65 years of life, uh, he had spent 45 of them in prison. 45 out of 65. And he didn't go in until he was like 17. So think about that. It's a long time. Basically his whole life. And in his last few years uh, in prison, he became a Christian. And so then when he came out, he was one of the first people that I was working with. And so I would meet with him once a week, and he would actually ask me questions about God a lot of the times because I told him that I used to be a pastor at a church. And so he'd ask me questions about God or things that he'd read in the Bible that he didn't understand. And then eventually he got to the point where he asked, hey, could part of our meetings be a Bible study? Sure, man. <laughs> We're a Christian organization. That's, that's not, you know, the, the ultimate, this is what we're doing and why, but that's the heart behind it. And so if someone wants that, of course, we don't push it on them. But I said, yeah, of course. And so part of our meetings would be a Bible study. And eventually, too, he, he didn't have any, like, family or friends in the area. And so he we didn't have a lot really going on. And so uh, one time when I was picking him up, he saw my baseball bag in the trunk. And he said, oh, like, I'd love to come to one of your games. And so I even brought him to one of my games one time, and he had a good time. And I remember afterwards, he's driving home. I'm driving him home, and he says, man, that was, like, the best night I can remember. And so uh, the next day, actually, I had to take him to a doctor's appointment. And it's a whole big procedure because he, he's, he's uh, in, a, in a wheelchair and so I got to help him in the car and I fold up the chair and it's a whole big thing. And so I take him to this appointment. I'll never forget, uh, we're driving and he asked me a question. He said, Christian, I have a question for you. 
I said, yeah, man, go ahead. He says, I know that God forgives us. Like, I know that we've talked about this. But I have done some really horrible things. I've had a really dark past. And I have accepted Jesus. And I'm so appreciative. Like, it blows my mind that I can even have this, access to this. And I'm so appreciative. But even though I love him and I don't take it for granted, I still make mistakes. I still find myself thinking and doing things that I, I used to do. And I don't want to do those things, but I still find myself like in those circumstances. Can God still love me when I make those mistakes, is what he asked me. Can I still be a Christian? Is there still room for me? I'll never forget when he asked me that question. And he's, he's like, I'm really trying. That's what he said. I'm really trying my best. And what's so interesting is just that day when I was picking him up, he was always late. And so I'd always have to call him, but he never had his phone. It was a whole big thing. And so I saw someone. I said, hey, can you go, get, can you go check on this guy? Do you know him? Uh, he's like in a wheelchair. He's like, oh, the Christian guy. I said, yeah, the Christian guy. Like, the church guy. Yeah, yeah, I know him. So it wasn't just he's like just talking the talk. He's actually, that's how he's known in his housing full of other people who are on parole. That's how he's known as the Christian guy. And so he says, like, so he, he says yeah, I, I'm trying. Like, is there room for me? In that moment, I, I, a scripture came to me, and I said, hey, man, the Bible tells us that his grace is sufficient for us, which means his grace is enough for you and for me. And he actually says that his power is made perfect in our weakness. And so I explained to him that everyone, even after making mistakes, is still accepted and loved. And I told him that quote, that the ground is even at the foot of the cross, that we all come broken, and that God accepts us and loves us. So even though you're not perfect, you're going to fit right in. He said, oh, man, that's amazing. Like, in this big smile on his face. That's, that's so amazing. God is so good. And at this point, I'm wheeling him into the, the hospital for his appointment. And he, he, I remember, I'll never forget, he struggles to stand up out of his wheelchair and says, can I give you a hug? I said, yeah, man. Gave him a hug, said goodbye. He was getting a different ride home. That was a Friday morning. Four days later, I get a call informing me that he had passed away that morning. His body just eventually had failed. And the first thing that comes to my mind is that last conversation that we had where he's asking me, hey, I have been this way my whole life, and I'm trying. I've accepted Jesus. I love him. I still make mistakes. Is there room for me? As the first thing that came to my mind. And what is true for him is true for us. God does the work. Doesn't matter where we are, doesn't matter how far we've gone one way or the other, God is the one who does the work. And the same that was true for him is the same that is true for us, that we actually deserve wrath. We actually deserve these things that, the bad things that could possibly happen, we deserve that, but God, rich in his mercy and grace, is the one who does the work for us. God does the work. Now, sometimes we don't actually like that because we compare ourselves. And so we think, yeah, but, but God, what I've done is not as bad as what this person's done. So, like, how is that fair? We could, God, he, this person's done so much worse than me. How can it just be even now? 
And to that, I'd say we have to remind ourselves that we don't have to worry about that. We're not the one extending grace. God is. It's not coming out of our wallet. It's not coming out of uh, It's coming from God. There's a great parable, if you're familiar with it, about, that Jesus told about workers in the vineyard. And just a quick recap of it, uh, there's this worker, who, uh, this master who hires people to do some work. And he says, hey, uh, in the beginning of the day, he hires these people and says, I'm going to pay you this much money to do this work for the day. They say, okay, that's fantastic. They're really excited about it. And then later in the day, the master says, you know what, we need some more hands. And so he hires some more people. And then around later in the day, he hires some more people. And then eventually, towards the end of the day, he hires even more people. And when the end of the day comes, he gives everyone the same amount of money. And of course, the people who started in the beginning of the day are thinking, this isn't fair. This is not fair. I, we worked the whole day. And the master says to him, I've given you what I've told you I'm going to give you. Like, don't, don't worry about what I'm giving to others. I'm giving you what I said that you were going to get. And it's hard for us to accept that sometimes. It's hard for us to be reminded that, hey, God is the one who extends grace, not us. And just because we think that someone else needs it more doesn't change the fact that it's God who gives it freely. God does the work. And I want to finish this morning by asking ourselves collectively a question. And the question is this. What are your good works? What are your good works? It says that we are prepared to do good works, so what are those good things that we are doing? In Matthew 7, it says that we're going to be known by the fruits that we produce. Basically, what, what we plant, we're going to sow and we're going to see. So what are we producing? You might have heard this before, but you can't be a Christian. You can't be a Christ follower and be on the sidelines. You can't do it. We have to be involved in good works. And this, if we think about this, this passage, it can actually be a little bit confusing. Because we've just established that God does the work, right? It's not about the things that we can do so that no one can boast. It's about grace. And then that same passage, it says, but you have been created to do good works. So go and do them. So it's, if we think about it, it's a little confusing. Like, God, you just said it's not about works, but now you're saying to go and do good works. Like, how does that work? If our works can't earn our way in, then why try? You ever felt that way, that there's, you're in a situation and there's like no chance you're going to get this, you know, you're going to get this done or this is not going to be possible. You think, why am I even going to try? One of the things I like to do is I, I like to make these like imaginary scenarios in my head and ask people what they would do. So whether it's like, hey, for how much money would it take you to do this? Or do you think you could, you could accomplish this? And so the other day I was with some friends. And uh, we were watching TV, and an ad came on for, like, the UFC, which is, like, the ultimate, like, fighter championship. I don't really watch it, but, like, maybe you know what it is. It's two guys getting this, like, octagon cage thing, and they fight. Um, I, I don't really watch it, but maybe you know what I'm talking about. And so I thought about it, and I said to my friends, for a million dollars, would you try to fight one of those ultimate fighters, but in order to get the money, you have to last all three rounds? Would you try? And collectively, we're all like, no way. Because I know there's no chance I'm making three rounds. Like a million dollars, that's great. But there's no, because I think a round is five minutes. So you got to get in there for 15 minutes with this person? Like, no way. I said, no, I wouldn't do it. Then I asked, what about for two rounds? Would you do it for two rounds? And they said, no, there's no chance. Like, I would try, but I know there's no way. 
And I said, what about one round? And I think collectively we thought, you know what? I would try for one round. Maybe I could just run around for five minutes and just kind of like, stop it, stop it, don't do it, don't hit me. But there's circumstances that we think about where, hey, there's no possible way that this could happen. Why try? So if there's no way that our works can get us into heaven, why even try? If no matter what we do, it doesn't change the fact that we can't earn our spot in heaven, why try? And the simple truth is this. Our works might not get us into heaven. They won't get us into heaven. But they can act as an invitation to help someone else get there. Our works won't get us into heaven, but they can act as an invitation to help someone else get there. It's not about earning our spot or earning our way. It's about inviting someone else in. Our good works are for others. So if we're created to do good works and we're known by the fruit that we produce, what are we producing? If we're not serving, if we're not producing good works, if we're not trying to invite others in, then I would suggest that we don't have a complete understanding of what Jesus commands us to do. Because Jesus isn't asking us, he's commanding us. It's kind of like when your parents, when you're younger, and they say, hey, can you do this? And you think, no, I'm okay. And they, I wasn't asking. Like, I was telling, you're, you're going to do this. And they, oh, okay, cool. He's not asking us, he's commanding us to do good works. So if we are created for these good works, the question I want us to think about this morning is, what are our good works? Our church has plenty of opportunities to do good works. There's things like the lunch program, there's the Cloverdale Community Kitchen that we're involved in. There's so many ministries and things that you can get involved in that you could do good works in. There's also so many community organizations that you can get involved in, that you can serve in. There's so many venues to do good works. And so my challenge for us would be if we can't think of the, hey, these are the things that I was created to do. These are the good works that I'm doing. This is the fruit that I'm trying to produce. I would challenge us that we need to start and think about, well, what can we do then? What can we do then? So I want to wrap up with this. Maybe I'll invite, we're going to have uh, the prayer team up at the front here at the end too as well. So I'll invite uh, Caleb and the team to come up and uh, play some worship as well. But I want to finish with this. This message was meant to be a bit of a challenge to us. A bit of a challenge to me. It is not meant to make you feel guilty. It is not meant to make you feel guilty. Maybe it convicts you a little bit, but it is not meant to make you feel guilty. It's not meant to make you burn yourself out if you're already serving, if you're already involved in doing good works. It's not meant to make you think, I'm not doing enough, I gotta do more. It's not meant to do that. But my intention is to get all of us, myself included, to look at our lives and ask ourselves, what are the good works that I was created for? What kind of fruit do I want to try to produce? And I want to leave you with some encouragement. No matter where you are in your life, if you're at the beginning, if you're in the middle, if you're further along, no matter if you're in a place where you've already been serving, you've already been doing good works for years, or whether you haven't, whether you've been on the sideline, I want you to know a few things. Number one, 
your story is not done. If you are here, your story is not done. You are not finished, and you are still God's workmanship, which means you are created to do good works. We just have to walk in them. Now, that may look different depending on where you are in your life, depending on where you are, maybe physical capabilities or limitations, but you are still God's workmanship created to do good works, and your story is not done. So this week, I want to challenge you, as I challenge myself, to evaluate the good works, evaluate the fruit that you're trying to produce. Think about those things, and if you can't think of something, then the challenge is to start to think about how can I start to be a part of this? How can I start to get off the sideline and get into what God actually commands us to do?